Hello, this is the Saucer Afterlife where we do stuff. Um, it's our last uh, it's our last installment of the Woodrow Update Update. It's the third of the three newsletters I got from listener Martin K. a few months ago. Uh, this is, of course, the newsletter of the Star Foundation, uh, which was run by contactee Greta Woodrow and her husband, uh, her husband Dick. Um, one one thing from uh, the previous afterlife where we looked at uh, the Woodrow update, there was um, there's that that story about her near death experience after a car wreck, and as she lay there recovering, I didn't mention this part because I, I couldn't think of a way to to not make it inappropriate, and, and and at this point I've decided just to go ahead and and talk about it. There was. Um, a passage where she was laying in bed recovering and her husband was, was somewhere else and she missed her husband, Richard. And the way she, she expressed it was, this is a quote, this is not me talking, I ached for dick, end quote. And I, it's a completely innocent way to put it. Um, I, uh, I wanted to get one of our, our occasional guest readers to read that. None of them were, um, none of them were willing and uh, so, and, 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 you know, it's one of those things that if somebody just was sort of skipping along and, and, and heard that, um, they might wonder why is there not an explicit tag on this podcast? But I just wanted to share that with you because uh, when I read that, I did not stop laughing for about five minutes. Okay, this is the May, June 1986 issue of the Woodrow, Woodrow Update. The lead story is about radon, the new, uh, the newly discovered, newly being publicized danger of, uh, of radon that was all the rage in the mid-80s. Anybody who was around during that time has some, uh, some, some good radon stories. Well, may, maybe not. Uh, but really interesting stuff comes in the Mountain Musings column here. Um, when Greta is talking about, uh, talking about computers, and I am, I am a sucker for any sort of computer talk from the mid-1980s. Uh, mid we sit on the mountain with our IBM personal computer and have more computing power at our fingertips than my business had in the 1960s with a mainframe IBM 360. We were one of the first apparel manufacturers to computerize in the horse and buggy days of computers, and it was not without trauma. There were no software packages available. We did our own programming akin to reinventing the wheel four times a day. I was as much enthralled with being involved in the new technology as I was with the benefits we were supposed to derive from being online. There were times that the computer glitches occupied more of my day than the sales, design, and manufacturing aspects of the business. This was not always a prudent use of my time, but that was another lifetime. Just a note here, I'm not sort of saying software as a way to be snarky. Uh, she actually does hyphenate soft hyphen wear in this, and I'm just trying to uh, to reflect that. Also, the, the phrase online was hyphenated and in quotation marks. Today, all businesses are computerized and standard industry packages of software are the starting point from which to tailor your own needs. Computer software packaging is a large industry and the products represent assets of the software companies. Safeguarding these assets has become a major problem for the software producers. It takes only a few seconds to copy a program onto a blank $3 disk. And finding the solution to software thieves has opened a Pandora's box that threatens every aspect of life controlled by computers. 
honestly, nothing takes me back more than than people who were older than I was with way more money than I had complaining about software piracy. Um, maybe don't make stuff so stupidly expensive. How about that? Um, not that software piracy or any other kind of piracy is is a good thing to do, but when you're uh, when you're in high school or, or or college and you don't have five hundred dollars for a copy of Microsoft Word or whatever it was under some of those old pricing schemes, you know, hey, it's uh, it's tempting. And also, um, imagine fitting an entire computer program onto one floppy disk. Uh, pretty uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But. As, as fun as old computer nostalgia is, there's something really interesting in this column about computing stuff that I wanted to share. Gary North's newsletter, Remnant Review, devoted its entire November issue to the potential problems and ramifications of computer tampering. It's overwhelming. All government agencies, armed services, and financial institutions could be rendered inoperative, throwing a city, a state, a country, or the entire international financial community into chaos. We chose not to address the subject at the time, even though it does open up another avenue for the collapse of many of our structures and could be a part of the scenario of change to the year 2000. What changed our minds were some recent news items. It then seemed as if it was time to put the subject out to the updates. She then goes on to to talk about some highly publicized computer failures, especially in in public utilities such as water companies and things that had caused uh, some issues. But what was interesting to this, and some of you may have caught this name, was Gary North. Gary North, um, 15 years or 14, 13 years after this newsletter was published, would go on to be one of the leading voices um, proclaiming and predicting that everything was going to collapse due to the Y2K bug. Uh, He was on uh, Coast to Coast AM uh, several times and other radio programs. So we've got Gary North, future Y2K um, doomsayer, talking about computer collapse being a problem. We have Greta talking about how this could tie into the coming changes in the year 2000. Um, I'm not saying this is the earliest, but this is the earliest thing I've found that I could plausibly call a Y2K panic moment. So I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Elsewhere in the newsletter, elsewhere, did I highlight anything else here? Overall, it's a it's a pretty um, pretty dull one. Lots of environmental uh, collapse disaster. Uh, oh, she um, her grandson was born. Um, Michael Lewis Smolo, five pounds, 15 ounces. Wow. Um, tiny little guy, uh, born February 20th at nine twenty-seven AM. Um, oh, to her son, Jonathan and his wife, Candace, it's their first grandbaby. That's sweet. Um, other things. That's about it. Not much in this issue. Uh, but that's a good one. The Y2K connection with uh, with Gary North I thought was very fun. Anyway, that's the last of our Woodrow update updates. And um, next time on The Saucer Life, I have no idea because I'm recording this one uh, about a month out. So I have no idea what's coming next. We, we, we may all be um, transitioned to uh, the level above human by that point. So who knows? Anyway, I will talk to you later. Oh, this is a Chizo Media LLC production. And our associate producer is Simpson J. Hanover the third forgot to mention that in the last afterlife episode. Anyway, I'll talk to you later.